1: by Jeff Vayette. He's a hockey writer and analyst. You can find his work over on the Faceoff circle. Jeff, thanks for giving us a couple minutes today. How you feeling, buddy? How you been holding up with no hockey the past, what, 60-plus days?
2: Between media and doing some other hockey operations work, I was so busy over the course of the season that when everything stopped, it almost felt like a little bit of a relief. So right. now I'm starting to get back uh, to wanting to be uh, back in the game again. Uh, but uh, it's it's been a weird, almost reprieve, obviously. You don't want to call it that given the circumstances that uh, led up to it and that we're still facing. But uh, it's definitely an interesting time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the NHL obviously going to abandon the rest of the regular season, go straight into the playoffs, hopefully, with 24 teams rather than 16 if they're able to resume play. That's the key thing here from uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman yesterday. First things first, does it surprise you that Bettman and the NHL are going to at least attempt to be the first league, really, to get it all figured out and put a plan out there for a return? Does that surprise you whatsoever?
2: Uh, not really. I, I mean, with I think a lot of it is just them trying to show that there is a plan in place. It doesn't seem like they're too aggressive on, uh, on the timelines. Like they were saying yesterday that phase, uh, at least three doesn't even start till a minimum of July 1st and they won't even necessarily commit to that. Right. I think they mostly just want people to know that they are working on it and paying attention to all, uh, potential, uh, variables. Uh, whether or not they actually become the first action to get back on the playing surface is, uh, is still up to up to date, but knowing the league's history of work stoppages and just absences of uh, the game, I mean, Bettman even alluded to that yesterday. I think they uh, just wanted to kind of be as prepared as possible uh, for whatever happens next.
1: Yeah, I mean, these all sound like great plans, like Major League Baseball coming back and playing 82 games, the NHL coming back, you know, and playing in these bubbles and having a full NFL season. But I think the key thing that we aren't really talking about, are the players on board? Do you think the players will be on board with this plan for the NHL to come back?
2: Uh, it's it's tough, and you see it from from team to team. Like, you look at a team like Montreal, who just barely even squeaked into this expanded um, qualification. I, uh, a friend pointed out yesterday that if the season went on one more day, uh, they were going to face Buffalo the night that everything got canceled. There's a very real chance that even that uh, matchup flips. And guys like Phil Deneau were talking about, how they'd rather kind of be with their families. And I feel like there's a lot of these guys who are kind of wondering, hey, well, first off, we have this very serious situation going on, but also, am I going to be preparing for months just to be bounced out again in three games? Uh, So even from a hockey standpoint, it's not uh, completely perfect. And uh, I mean, the vote uh, that the NHLPA had looks a little bit more lopsided. It went 29-2. to But I think that was just a matter of uh, representatives knowing that it was going to pass and not uh, putting up too much of a fuss. I think there's still a lot of stuff to show, out, and there's going to be a lot of conversations between the league and the players over the next few months about how to proceed with this in a in a way that doesn't uh, disrupt or put anyone in too much risk.
1: Talking with Jeff Vayette, you can find his work on the Faceoff Circle. So what are your thoughts on the 24 teams getting in rather than the regular 16? Obviously, it's going to be exciting as hell as a hockey fan because I love playoff hockey, but uh, what are your overall thoughts on this format?
2: Uh, I mean, on one hand, it's hockey. you're excited to have it back in terms of uh, how good of a method or format it is. I'm not a huge fan of it in total honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with the idea of it being expanded and it being chaotic, but, uh, but at the same time, this kind of it feels like the league wants to have some degree of control, but also wants a little bit of that chaos of trying to get the best of both worlds, not really getting any of them. Uh, for example, an article that I wrote on the Face Off Circle last week was a format they could uh, do that would be similar but in- but continue to have the integrity of the game in place is to take 23 of these teams. Montreal, unfortunately, wouldn't make it in this scenario. If you wanted to find a way to do it, I guess you could. But play them to 74 regular season games. Could create some sort of balance in the season. Figure out who the 16 teams are from there and then go into the playoffs. So that would be one way of doing it. You could also just go with the top 16 teams in terms of points percentage, because as I brought up with the the Montreal Buffalo example, even this 2014 format doesn't exactly, um, it, it, it still leaves stuff to question. Um, and the league has at times played game, uh, a game total like this, or even less, and still felt that 16 was enough. If 16 was enough, enough in 19. If, uh, if 16 was enough in 1995 and in 2013, where they played 48 game seasons, this should be enough of about 70 games. Uh, the original six era was pretty much always 70 games, all the way up to about the 70s was in that 70-74 game threshold. So it's not like we're kind of. Lo- it's not like we're really losing uh, integrity um, by calling. 16 teams here. If anything, I feel like you're you're kind of maintaining it. Um, the issue here too is now uh, with the way the draft lottery format works. So this whole scenario almost benefits the mediocre teams more than anybody else. Right. The top teams who aren't in the uh can win the Stanley Cup, but they have no chance in the draft lottery. The bottom teams can't win the Stanley Cup, but they have a chance in the draft lottery. If you're in the middle, you have a you have a crack at the cup. You, if you, and if you bail out in the first round, you you also have a chance to double dip and go go for that lottery pick as well if if the lottery uh, dictates that. Um, so for me, especially in a sport that's already uh, the most luck driven of the big North American sports. Um, it, it's already uh, a weighted coin toss almost come playoff time to add even more randomness to it while also trying to give off the idea of we have control over the situation. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like the, like a proper uh, format in that regard. You're not getting enough of the integrity. You're not getting enough of the chaos. But going back to the original point, it's hockey. It's stuff that's back on TV. You get to see your favorite players again. So I think at the end of the day, um, the fan bases aren't going to mind, but I don't know if it was necessarily the uh, the most sensible uh, format to go with from a hockey perspective.
1: Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because who benefits the most? Because you look at the top teams that played the regular season the right way, and then you look at the bottom teams, you know, with the new draft format. But I'm like, I'm thinking, does this benefit a team like, for example, the Chicago Blackhawks, who have? You know, a top goalie and Corey Crawford who could get hot, and they have some talent still. So if they get hot at the right time, they could win. end up winning. I mean, I don't know if we were even going to call it the Stanley Cup final at this point, but they could end up winning the Cup when, I mean, they were brutal this season. They were awful.
2: Yeah, exa- exactly. Uh, they, I think they have 72 points. The odds of yeah. them getting to that final wild card spot were so astronomically slim. They were already a 2-3% shot of making the playoffs where all of a sudden you have teams like Pittsburgh, for example, mm-hmm. who 86-point season, 40 wins, uh, plus 28 goal difference, and they're going to have to go in against a Montreal team that's won 19 games in regulation. Uh, that is, they're just barely clinging on to a 500 record. If you lose that play-in, which is definitely possible, that doesn't really seem too fair to me, a team, teams that have no shot at this. Now, it's a little bit better that they've gone the, the conference route uh, because at first there was talks that they would be doing this as top six in each division rather than uh, ra- rather than going at the conferences. And that would have put even worse teams into this. Like they, for a while it looked like we may have even seen teams like Buffalo and Anaheim uh, getting into spots. So yeah, it technically could have been uh, a little bit worse, but it just seems like there's too much reward given to these teams that are just on the cusp of making the playoffs uh it, it, it values mediocrity it values being in the middle um like i'm all for parity, and i like the idea of anybody really having a shot but i don't think we need to push too hard uh for those teams to get benefit it almost punishes you for being good
1: Exactly, and that's what I'm thinking when you see teams like Chicago, a big market where they love hockey. I'm like, okay, I see what you guys are trying to do here. But, you know, we keep talking. I I love postseason hockey. I mean, I love postseason hockey. Probably, I I think it's the best postseason. I mean, they just get the playoffs right. Now, we've seen sports without fans in attendance. We're seeing UFC, no fans in attendance, NASCAR is coming back. Well, What's postseason hockey going to look like without fans, like with empty arenas? That's what I'm wondering about the product of you know, what it would really look like, because, I mean, postseason hockey, I don't sit down the entire time, even if I'm just at home watching the game on TV. What's that going to look like with nobody in attendance, though?
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough when you think about it. Like, on one hand, you can look to minor hockey and youth hockey and mm-hmm. like the, these levels that these players have played in the past. And there's still the, the, the energy on the ice is 100% still there um the, the these guys have a championship that they're trying to win uh they're not thinking about um the the crowd and the broadcast presentation and all that in the moment they're there to play the game so i think the on ice product uh, maintain, uh is maintained now from a fan's perspective watching it uh on television yeah it's going to be different i was watching uh the uh, bundesliga uh games that were on tv up here in canada yesterday yep. um there's a lot of interest right now in Bayern Munich because they have uh, Alfonso Davies, who's a Canadian top prospect. Yep, so they want awesome. me money I a watching match. Yep. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, watching that and kind of not getting that fan experience, like it's kind of nice if you're like a hardcore person into the game that kind of wants to hear some of the conversation, but it doesn't give you that that all in immersiveness in, and energy. And, uh, uh, on the other side, there was a tweet that I posted a few days ago of uh, P.K. Subban's goal in 2014 against Boston in the playoffs where you just hear the Montreal fans are losing their minds the second he touches the puck to start the breakaway. Like, the goal isn't even in yet, right. and it's already a rocky atmosphere. And it's like, how do you possibly replicate that in, in, in something like this? You lose the theater of it. You may, you'll maintain the integrity of the game, but as a theatrical entertainment product, it's definitely going to take some getting used
1: to. Absolutely. Jeff, thanks for giving us a couple minutes, man. I hope to talk again soon, and I hope we'll be talking about some postseason hockey and not uh, more proposed plans for sports to come back.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having
1: me. Thanks a lot. That's Jeff Veillet. You can find his work, again, at the Faceoff Circle. You can find him on Twitter. Again, J-E-F-F-V-E-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. That's where you can find him. Does great, great work covering the NHL. And you can find him on Twitter. <sighs>